Go thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. All right, hey people. Hello, people. Yeah, we're like three minutes late, but who cares? It was my fault. The joy of live streaming here on the internet. I think today we're on Facebook. Can you believe it? The world's largest social media platform came back to us people. Now we can all live and breathe again. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Anyway, hey, uh, do me a favor. This is going to be a really interesting conversation, in my opinion. Um, If you've ever heard about the King James Only controversy, you know, or you're one of these people that's like, all, all like concerned about how the Bible was put together or anything like that, you're going to definitely want to listen to this show because it's going to blow you away. I think, I think you will actually, you will be blown away. I think you're going to be blown away by this show because my guest, first of all, he's super cool, good friend of ours, and he wrote this, name, this new book called Rebooting the Bible, and the subtitle of it is The Astonishing Story of a 1900-Year-Old Rabbinical Conspiracy to Corrupt the Bible. Uh, the Bible's ancient history and thwart belief in Jesus as the Messiah. Yeah, if that doesn't have your attention, people, I don't know what would. Actually, here on the other, on the back here, um, it gives a little bit, you know, of history. But it says here, rediscovering the ancient Bible of the early church. Have you ever wondered how the Old Testament was put together? Who wrote it? Yeah, well, we're gonna learn about it just a little bit today. And then have you ever wondered about the New Testament? Have you ever wondered about archaeology and the whole timeline and all that stuff? Well, if you have, you're going to definitely be interested. If you haven't, this may just put a light, little, light, little teeny little bit of a fire under your, um, I was going to say butt, but that's not what I mean. You know, your chair, <laughs> which you're sitting on with your rear end. <laughs> Just so you know. Anyway, so you can go ahead. You can uh, share it out. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna share this out, and then we're gonna talk talk to our guest, who's been on my show. I don't even know how many times. I actually had the opportunity to meet Mr. Douglas Woodward, in um, uh, like a couple years ago. But I met him many years prior to that. And I have to tell you, every single one of his books, pretty much, we've talked about on our show. Um, and uh, and so I have to tell you that he is um he's a really 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 smart guy and i'm just gonna tell you you should definitely uh, listen to the show share it out get the books and read and get informed i'm gonna go ahead here i'm gonna go ahead and copy and paste this and then share it over on facebook don't forget if you're on facebook you guys you have to let me know you gotta say hi or something because i'm not gonna be able to uh um see you unless you say that oops go ahead do that right there boop i said boop yeah i did kind of like i do with my dog boop how many of you guys boop your dog's nose anyway (laughs) anyway that was supposed to be funny some of you guys are sticks in the mud just so you know okay all right so let me go get back over here to my bible news radio page and then I can see. And if you're on YouTube, sorry, I can't like monitor everywhere, just so you know. But um, you will definitely 
be thought of. Yeah, I will. And there's Randall. <laughs> did you have? Did you want yeah, to say I'll something? Yeah, I'll do my best to monitor YouTube. So I'll be the YouTube monitor as much as I can. All right. In between okay. doing everything else. Because you are a superhero, not paramedic, but you're a superhero uh, producer, right? I'm the star. Yeah, I am. As you can tell. How many of you believe I'm the star? People put a one. All right. Just kidding. <laughs> All right. So who is Douglas Woodward or Woodard, depending on who you are in the world? <laughs> Woodward. Okay, let me tell you who he is. Um, he has a big, long bio. I'm not going to read it all, but I'll give you the condensed version. He's an author, researcher, a speaker on Bible prophecy, uh, American spiritual history, and the apocalypse and culture, and the paranormal. He's an interesting dude, in other words. Um, he has a bachelor's, and do you have a theology degree? Is that what that is? Uh-huh. Okay. And and um, he studies alternate history which may be more actual real history than the whole revisionist history garbage that we're all been taught and sold here in America. Um, anyway, he has a lot of books like The Final Babylon, Lying Wonders of the Red Planet, The Uncommon Sense, uh, The Next Great War in the Middle East. Let's see here. Pandemonium's Engine, he, he had a, a part in that. Ghost, God's Ghostbusters and Blood on the Altar. He, he appears on TV shows all the time, like Sharon and Doug, uh, not Doug, Derek, Derek, Derek Gilbert for Skywatch TV. You know, he's been over on Prophecy in the News numerous times, been a host over there. He's done a lot of great stuff. Let's just put it that way. And he's, but even more so, he's just a real humble guy, you know, and it was so cool to be able to go to Oklahoma a couple of years ago and meet Doug in person and uh, kind of cement our friendship even more. And I must also say he is now a member of Legal Shield as well. You guys know that we sponsored the show. He signed up for Legal Shield recently. Um, and that was easy. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so today we're, he's here to talk about the book, Rebooting the Bible. And I'm telling you, you guys, this is going to be a real interesting conversation. I was reading the book today and um, it was hard to put down. Because I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know this stuff. So anyway, Doug, come on the screen and uh, welcome back to the show. Glad hey, to be here. thank you. It's always so much fun to be with you. You're one of my favorite, if not the favorite, host and interviewer. We have such a good time together. Yeah, oh, well, thank you. I'll put that in my hat, my feather. Your baby, maybe your baby book. <laughs> I have a baby book. I inherited it. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. Okay, the first thing I want to find out, because if people don't know you, I got to ask, um, you. your background is in technology, right? You, didn't, you used That's to work correct. for IBM, right? I used to work for Microsoft, for Oracle, and uh, and I was a partner at Ernst & Young and their consulting organization. So I've done, done a lot of things and worked for some great companies. Okay, and so how did you get interested in in alternate Bible history and stuff like that. Cause you're, you're a pretty avid writer. I mean, how many, you've written, yeah, quite a few yeah, books. I've written 16 books total uh, and contributed to others. And so I, I, uh, you know, I'm kind of doing stuff all the time. I'm really kind of working on two books and have a third in my brain that, you know, eventually I'll get back around. I've got to write a second, second, um, ver or a second volume to uh, revising reality, which has been probably one of the best sellers actually. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I, I got interested in all this just because I'm, I'm curious about things. It's kind of my 
my nature to, uh, if I discover something, I go, wow. And that's kind of how this, this latest book, Rebooting the Bible, got started about a year ago. I was working on a, a book for on Mystery Babylon, which I'm actually kind of still working on. I've been publishing some things like that on my, uh, my, my, my website. But I stumbled across a guy named Barry Sutterfield, who I hadn't really come across before. He's a young earth creationist, which means he believes the world was created 6,000 years ago. I'm not, uh, but this book, Rebooting the Bible, tries not to take a strong position, pro or con. It's really focused, though, on chronology and when when did Genesis 1 or Genesis 2, 4, when did these things really happen? When was Adam and Eve created? And so anyway, Sutterfield got me interested because he was talking about a different chronology and talking about the Septuagint. And I didn't know Septuagint's the Greek version of the Old Testament that was translated from Hebrew into Greek around 285 BC. So almost three centuries before Jesus. And, um, and so we'll talk about why that's important. But anyway, I, I got into that and I started reading and I go, you know, I had kind of vaguely heard of the fact that Justin Martyr and some of the other church fathers accuse the uh, leaders of, of Judaism at the end of the first century of changing the Bible um, to hide the fact that Jesus was the Messiah. I'd never followed up on that. But then I got interested in it and I started doing some research and, and read a couple of books. And then the way I do research is I, they read, you know, they, they reference other books and then I go chase those references down. And, and so I kind of do all that to kind of confirm everything that they're, that they're saying that it really is what somebody else said. And so I studied all that and I go, wow, this is something that most Christians don't know about that, that really happened. It's not like, it's not like I discovered this. It's kind of more like I rediscovered this and specifically for Protestants, something that the Orthodox church, Russian Orthodox, Greek Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox, which has a little, you know, they have a small number in the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, they know all about this because they've always had the Septuagint as their old Testament. And, and so, um, so I, I, you know, so I started really digging into this and I discovered this is, this is really consequential. This is important. And then I tripped over the chronology, as I said, and, and, and then I realized, Hey, this has real implications for the whole issue of when did the flood of Noah happen? When did the tower of Babel happen? And so this is, this is pretty important stuff. So that's, that's kind of what got me hooked on it. Yeah. Well, I know a lot of people are probably going, all right, Stacy. Did you just put a heretic on your show? I mean, seriously. I mean, because, because there, there's a huge, oh my gosh, as you know, there's a huge debate about the King James Bible, right? I mean, we ran into it. I ran into it. I mean, I actually, my very first Bible I read was a paraphrased living Bible. Mm-hmm. I've had people say, you're not saved. How dare you read that? You know, <laughs> it's like, well, how's that happen? How did that happen? I host Bible News Radio. I know, I know I'm probably not saved. But anyway, wait, hold on a minute. David Blum said hi on Facebook. And yeah. uh, Celine is on Facebook. Hi, Celine. Let me say some hi's to people here as well. We got um, Pastor Garrett in the house. Diane, Melanie, uh, Sylvia. Hey, Mia's there. Mama Jean is there. Freedom, Angie's there. Rob's there. Sharon, little Mac. I don't know who you are. But hi, Mac. You're little, huh? And CGB, I don't know who you are either. But anyway, thank you guys for coming in. And Sean, hey, there you are. 
some of our Facebook peeps are actually coming to Periscope so we can see them better. Uh, yeah, so hey, you guys, thanks for coming in. And is that Wanda? Did I say Wanda? Oh, no, that's Sean. Sean, you need to put a picture. Put your picture on Periscope. Then then it doesn't look like you're a troll. <laughs> I call you troll boy. <laughs> troll boy? No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, um, so the there's a big debate about the King James only crowd. We're not going to get into that. Let's just say that where I stand on the issue is no. The, the King James Bible is not, quote, the only Bible in the world that that people you know, can read and get saved with, you know, I mean, there's this, this whole thing. And then the other thing you kind of alluded to in, in the big apologetics world where people mm -hmm. love to debate and fight as Christians is, well, is there a flat earth, young earth, old earth, you know, and all that. And actually where I personally stand on that issue is I am very open to, I mean, I take the Bible literally, but I'm also very open to the idea that God created the world to look older than it was when we first, you know, when it was first created. Um, and maybe it looks older, you know, because he has, I mean, because I believe he created Adam as an adult, right? Which means that he created, that, you know, Adam didn't have any attachment issues because of breastfeeding or anything like that. Just saying, people. Anyway, it had to start Thank somewhere, you. right? <laughs> That's right. You start. We start with the chicken and not the egg. Yeah, well, anyway, I mean, so, and you know, ultimately in the long run, honestly, I don't really think it matters a whole lot, to be honest. I mean, I think what really matters is who Christ is and, the, and how he came to, um, to ha how he came to save Israel, the Jews and, the, and us. And what you're contending, if I'm understanding you correctly, is that the rabbis messed with the Masoretic text of the Old Testament in order to hide that because to, to hide that Jesus was the Messiah in some of the text and because they didn't want to admit that he was actually the Messiah. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. That's essentially right. I mean, the, you know, we could kind of get real technical and kind of follow it along, but essentially, let me see how I can simplify it. it. Essentially the, there was an old Testament that was compiled by Ezra, uh, Nehemiah. They were basically contemporaries and this was, you know, sometime after, the uh, remnant from Babylon came back to uh, Jerusalem. There was about really only about 10% of the, of the Israelites, really Ju Judeans because Judah was, that was carted off to Babylon. About 10% of them came back. That's why, by the way, Iran has such a large Jewish population is because so many Jews never came back. But anyway, uh, the 10% that came back restarted Judaism and Ezra was their leader. And Ezra really was the, the uh, person, this was about 420, the, the decree to come back was really 457 BC for Nea, uh, Nehemiah and then and Ezra, but by about 420 to 410 BC, you had essentially the Bible was assembled and um, it, it, you know, it wasn't in a single book, it was scrolls, but right. it was there. And, um, and it was uh, at that time, that you really had everything done. So Malachi was the last prophet, and that was about that same time frame. And so the Bible, the Old Testament, was done then. Well, it was only about 120 years later that in Alexandria, Egypt, that Ptolemy, who was 
the one of the four generals of Alexander the Great. Remember, when when Alexander the Great died, his kingdom was split up into four different kingdoms. There was uh, Cassander and and Seleucid and Lachamicus, and then there was Ptolemy. And Ptolemy was the smart guy. He picked Egypt as the one he wanted, as the area he wanted, because that was the breadbasket of the world. It was the most fruitful, the most the richest, and so forth. And so. Anyway, so Ptolemy um, and then his son, Ptolemy II, Philadelphus, they had been building a library, a famous library in Alexandria that ultimately was burned in about 43 BC uh, or 45 BC when Julius Caesar and Pompey were having a big war, big battle in Alexandria. That's when it burned. But 200 years before that, the uh, Philadelphus, the Ptolemy II, he wanted, he had heard that the Hebrews had the most sophisticated law, legal system. And so, um, so he requested to, he sent uh, folks up to Jerusalem and asked Eleazar, who was the high priest in, in Israel at the time, this again is about 285 BC. He said, would you send scholars that know both Hebrew and Greek to Alexandria to create a copy of your Bible in Greek that we may put it in our library and that the Jews that live in our city, which was about 25% of their population, that they might have access to a Bible in what has become their native tongue because by that time they didn't speak Hebrew anymore. They were speaking Greek. The Jews all over the world were speaking Greek. And so that was kind of one of the functions or utilities of having a Septuagint was now the, the Hebrews, the descendants of the Israelites and, and Judah and so forth, they actually now had a Bible and a language that they could read. And so that was the reason why the Septuagint was written. And again, it was written almost 400 years before the Masoretic text, which is what our Bibles and Protestantism are based on, before that family of text and manuscript began to be built. So, and we're going to talk about how that is built, but I'm going to pause for a second and let you uh, comment. <laughs> Ta-da! It's back to you. The ball goes over the net. Back to yeah. Stacey. <laughs> okay, so just to clarify, just briefly. Yes. So the Old Testament Hebrew is the Masoretic text. The Old Testament, not exactly. Let's think of terms of the Old Testament Hebrew, uh, the original. Let's call it the original. Okay. We're going to call it H70, H for Hebrew, H70. And it's also known as the Vorlog, V-O-R-L-A-G-E. Think of a Vorlog as an original copy from which other copies are made. So it's kind of like when you go to the Xerox machine, you have your original so that's the Vorlog, and then copies are made from that. And so the Old Testament that Ezra put together, and it was assembled by 410, that's really the Vorlog, the 870, and so forth. That's the original. Okay. And then the Septuagint is the, the New Testament written in Greek. Old Testament. Old Testament. That's what I meant. Yep. Yep. It's just the Old Testament, but it happens and- to be the Greek Bible that the apostles and the writers of the New Testament, like Luke, right. it's the Bible they use to quote the Old Testament. Right. And we see, you know, so much of the New Testament is really the Old Testament. You know, I know uh, Chuck Missler used to say something to the effect of, you know, the 
the the New Testament is concealed in the Old Testament, and the Old Testament is revealed in the New Testament. Yes. And so much of that. I mean, most of you guys out there, you have a study Bible. I mean, I have a I have a really good study Bible. This is this is my Bible. It's a Hebrew Greek translation. It's New American Standard Version. Um, and you know, from the Old Testament, we have the you know, things in caps that are, that are put into inside the New Testament. So you see, see the quotes. One of my favorite things is actually seeing why they quoted it from the Old Testament, putting, putting it back there. So you're contending, though, that from history that people don't know, there's a rabbi or rabbis who right. decided to uh, rewrite and take out some of the stuff um, in the Old Testament, really change it. They they altered they altered things. Refer- yeah. Re- yeah, and you gave a, what was it? I think it's Psalm forty six, right? There's Psalm forty uh, verse six that's okay. quoted in the Book of Hebrews. There's quite a few of the of the verses in Hebrews that are quoting the Old Testament. And you go look in the Old Testament, even if you're in the King James, the the King James New Testament, by the way, is is fine. The King James Old Testament has corruptions in it. And when you just compare the two, you see the differences. Not always. It's just really in two sections or two areas. One is messianic prophecies, prophecies that deal with the nature of the Messiah, his mission to the Gentiles, which the Jews changed. Right. Right. And it's in chronology. All right. So it's really in those sort of those areas where you see changes um, being made by a rabbi named Rabbi Akiba or Akiva okay. and and his sort of disciples that were holed up in this little town outside of today's Tel Aviv known as Jamnia or Javnia in uh, Hebrew. All right. And this happened right at the end of the first century, about three decades after the temple was destroyed. And these guys, they call themselves rabbis, but guess what? They were the Pharisees. Because the Sadducees and the scribes, the Sanhedrin, all disappeared after the temple was destroyed. The Pharisees and the Christians were really the two groups of Jews that survived the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. Okay. All right. I want to look at this first. Am I going too deep or is that all good? No, no, no. This is good. But I want to to make this simple so we can show some stuff. Okay. So so on page 12... Douglas writes this. Okay, I'm going to read you what he writes. He writes, the prime example was was Psalm 40, verse 6. Those of you guys who have your Bibles, you might want to get your Bible just to see what it says, okay? Um, the writer of the New Testament book of Hebrews quoted the verse as written in the, in the that's the Septuagint, right? The, the 70? LXX stands for 70 in Roman numerals, yeah. Okay, and this is what it says. It says, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast prepared me, whole burnt offering and sacrifice for sin thou didst not require. Okay? So that's what the the 70 says. I think Doug goes on. The work of the 70 is what the church fathers called it. Okay. Yep. And it goes on to say, not only did this passage downplay temple ritual, the psalm also speaks of a human body prepared by God for the Messiah, which would provide the perfect sacrifice. For a rabbi, it was unthinkable that God would take on flesh the incarnation was an abomination. And, and if you don't know that, the incarnation is Jesus being God in flesh, just so you know. Okay. Um, consequently, the verse had to be changed. Soon it read, Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire, mine ears 
hast thou opened psalm 40 verse 6 king james version and i have the new american standard doug and i'm gonna read you what mine says here because i just pulled it up here mm -hmm. so my new american standard says sacrifice and meal offering thou hast not desired my ears thou hast opened burnt offerings and sin offering thou hast not required so clearly mm -hmm. this uses the masoretic text here in my bible all protestant bibles use the masoretic text that was a decision made by martin luther and john calvin around 1517 when luther first translated the bible into into german he used the in effect what had become the masoretic text the text preserved by the masoretes mm -hmm. and they decided that because the other two wings of Christianity, Catholicism and Orthodoxy, Eastern Orthodoxy, they used other Bibles that the Protestants didn't trust them. They didn't trust the Catholics with their Vulgate, the Latin Bible, and they didn't trust the Orthodox with their Greek Bible, the Septuagint. And therefore they made a mistake. They they brought forward uh, the the altered Masoretic text altered by the rabbis the first century, preserved perfectly by the Masoretes, but they were preserving a corrupted text, all right? And so, and you see this in, in many verses. There are approximately 237 uh, passages in the Old Testament that are quoted in the New Testament. And of those, 80% are direct quotes from the Septuagint. 10% are quotes that are in agreement between the Septuagint and the Hebrew or the Masoretic, what became the Masoretic text. And 10% are, are other verses that it's not clear if they, if they were Masoretic or if they were other Hebrew versions that have been destroyed. So, because that also happened when Akiba, when they changed the Bible, and they did this because they were already saying, gee, the Septuagint has become the Christian's Bible, so we must change it. And too many Jews were converting to Christianity. So all these prophecies about the Messiah had to be changed. Okay, so I have a question. I have a couple of questions. Okay. Sure. So, uh, okay, so there's, there's two routes I want to go down. So I'll do the first one, and then okay. you can answer it, and then I'll go down the second one. Um, so I'm going to write me a note before I forget again, okay? <laughs> Path okay, two. okay yes. so, so the first question I have is what version of the Bible today would you actually recommend people uh, read? Um, mm -hmm. And of course, I know there's some people that, that have said, well, today we have different versions too, you know, and that's true. And I, I mean, I know we see a lot of it, not, not in reference necessarily to the Messiah and the prophecies there, but a lot of it has to do with political correctness and social justice and you know homosexuality and things like that you know and you even put in your book that king james himself was i believe bisexual right that yeah it's a debated question but yeah he probably was bisexual he had kids but he also had boyfriends yeah okay so what version do you think or should we all learn hebrew and greek yeah, well, probably it's it's always good to to learn to use a Strong's concordance if you've got a question about a passage or a word because that that helps us. I personally don't know Hebrew or Greek. I learn a few things as I go along, um, but no, you don't have to. Um, but in terms of answering your question, I happen to like in terms of a of a Protestant based Bible, the uh, English Standard Version, the ESV. It's been done redone recently, and it has 
references it'll it goes with the masoretic text in the main on the main page but in the columns marginal notes footnotes at the bottom it'll tell you what the septuagint said it'll show you the differences and then it'll also show you what the dead sea scrolls said right because there are variants they're called variants which are little things that are different little phrases that are different spellings that are different something that's been added something that may have been omitted and so uh, that's that's what I would recommend. But, you, you know, it's important to understand that if you are looking at historical issues, if you're looking at chronological issues, you better refer to the Septuagint because it is much more accurate. And, and perhaps we'll talk a little bit more about chronology in a moment. Yeah, we will. Okay. I want to get to that yeah. third. But my second thing, my second comment, and I know you addressed this, is, you know, some people who may be coming in going, well, ah, you're an anti-Semite, Doug. Yeah, you are. You hate the Jews. And, you know, it's interesting, as as I was reading through your book, I didn't read the whole thing, obviously, but but mm -hmm. I definitely want to, based on everything I've read, oh, you will. You I've read will. so far. But the... Yes. Uh, um, uh, to me, you're completely pro-Jew. As you, as if you know anything about the history of the Jews, you're obviously pro-Jewish. Hello. Very much so. Yeah. Um, be yeah. <laughs> because you're. I'm not, I'm not pro-Pharisee. Right, but you're trying to expose <laughs> what right. the Orthodox Jews or the Pharisaical Jews did in order to blind yeah. the fact that that Yeshua is the Messiah that came and that that they're still waiting for, and, and many have rejected, but. Praise God, right. so many have accepted now, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not against all rabbis. I, I think rabbis are pretty cool. Um, and I'm, I'm very much, um, I'm, I'm more on the dispensational side of things where I believe that there is a purpose for what's happening in Israel today, that while the Jews have been gathered back together, predominantly in unbelief, you know, someday the fact that they're in Israel is going to be a, a key factor in their redemption. I believe that's important. So I believe we pray for the peace of Jerusalem and and we love the, you know, the Jewish people and we should do that. But yeah, the leaders and what they did in terms of creating a new Judaism that wasn't based on the temple, but it was based on the wisdom of the Mishnah and the Talmud, which became a new Judaism. And it migrated away, for the most part, it migrated away from Palestine into Babylon. And that's where it was really housed for the next 800 years. It went, you know, until about, a five, about 500 AD was when the, the Talmud was really completed after roughly 300 years. And after that, then you had the Masoretes. And the Masoretes really were the ones that did the protecting of the written word. The Talmud, the Mishnah and the Talmud, were codifying and commenting on the so-called oral law, which was already beginning to exist in the time of Jesus. And it's what Jesus criticized the Pharisees for, was that right. they were making precepts, the precepts of men you were using to override the word of God, which was the written word. And so that was kind of what began the Mishnah and the Talmud and that whole, really, in effect, New Judaism. Old Judaism was temple worship. Right, right. And New Judaism is Talmud. And yeah. that's where Judaism is today, for the most part. Yeah, and Yeshua, when he came in as a youngster and he's in there, you know, teaching these people and they're like, like, oh, my gosh, you know, <laughs> who is this guy? He's got this new teaching or whatever. You know, I always laugh when I read that because I think I think that's right. kind of interesting. But I have to... he was getting the old teaching right was what was really going on. Right. And I... 
and they were already into the new teaching, you know, as the as the Pharisees and the Sadducees were unbelievers. Right. They were atheists, basically. Yeah. Okay, everybody. I know some of the, some of you you're going. What? This didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. But I want to tell you, if you go to Ariel Ministries, A R I E L dot org, that's our that's our uh, sponsor. Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum uh, started Ariel Ministries. I don't know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, quite some time ago, probably not 50 years ago, but it's a long time ago because he's in his 70s. Anyway, he's a Messianic Jewish believer. And I have to tell you that uh, they have partnered with Bible News Radio for the last couple of years sponsoring our show. And um, you can get a 20% discount on anything in the store at Ariel.org when you use our coupon code Bible News. And this is the only place you get a discount from Ariel Ministries. I have to tell you, Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum is highly respected all over the world as one of the top leading, um, you know, Messianic teachers, Bible teachers out there. Uh, He himself was actually persecuted for his own faith, having lost a relationship with his family for a long time. And he married a Gentile woman, my friend Marianne, actually. Um, and they just have a wonderful ministry. Their their book, Yeshua, Highlights of the Life of Messiah from a Messianic Jewish Perspective. I highly recommend it. It's an abridged version of the longer version. They, they actually took this, I think it's like 20 hours or 25 hours of teaching. They put it in book form finally. But I tell you what, I went through that like 20-something years ago, changed my life and gave me complete understanding of, of the whole issue of Israel and 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 Jewishness and stuff. And then when I found out I was 1% Jewish a couple years ago, gosh, man, you know, that's a amazing thing just saying, you know. But anyway, so go to our website biblenewsradio.com. You can sign up for our email there. Also, you can sign up for my text messages. I prefer you do that as well cuz I text people right before, you know, that. And if you text the term Bible News to 33222, you can get on my list. I send out a, a message in the morning and one right before the show. Um, and it's honestly the best way to keep in touch with me because who likes to hit, have your email hit spam, people? You don't. <laughs> and, of course, you can follow us on social media everywhere at BibleNewsRadio.com, including YouTube and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and our website. We're Bible News Radio, the best-kept secret and evangelical fundamentalist supernatural christianity that last part was supposed to be funny people all right okay i have a couple of questions uh, well well yeah okay there's a couple of questions is a gentile cool. a non-believer no a gentile is somebody who's not jewish that's all that is right doug mm-hmm. yep okay there's that, the jews which, and then there's everybody else yep so the jews are the chosen people the gentiles are everybody else mm-hmm. um I have a guy in here who is obsessed with the Noahide laws. I'm not really sure, you mm. know, if you want to address that, but would you like to address Noahide laws? Well, it's they're they're the very basic laws, you know, and uh, I'm not an expert on them. I just know that it's they're they're not um, not probably something that we should be really emphasizing. Um, you're kind of dabbling pretty close to Sharia law, and um, you know, so it's. Uh, we, we, we have surpassed and gone well beyond that. And, uh, of course, the law of the land, uh-huh. uh, the law of the United States is really based more on Christian and the Judeo-Christian principles of law, which is, again, you know, part of the that's part of the good part of Judaism and the Talmud is they have really bequeathed to us um, laws that 
are really at the foundation of the uh, Constitution, uh, Declaration of Independence, and so forth. So uh, that's the good part. Okay. Another question is, uh, Sean wants to know, does the Orthodox Study Bible put out by Nelson use the correct Old Testament text? Do you, do you know? Well, the Orthodox Study Bible does use the Septuagint. It is, uh, I've read both it and then the other, the other if you want to get an, a Septuagint that is in English, this is the one, I don't know, is that coming across? Yeah, it's coming across. Oh, that's cool. But yeah. New English, uh, this is more academic. Uh, it has more detail in terms of the differences between the Masoretic and the Septuagint. And so if you're into studying, this is really the Bible to get. It's uh, abbreviated the Nets for New English Translation of the Septuagint. Both the Orthodox Study Bible and this Bible are both good. This Bible I recommend more for study, and the Orthodox Bible I recommend more for just reading. Um, there is more of, we haven't talked about the Greek versions that Rabbi Akiba authorized to help confuse, <laughs> help keep the Christians from taking over Judaism. Uh, the Orthodox Study Bible probably has more influence of some of the bad Greek Bibles, but okay. it also has much more in terms of the ritual of Eastern Orthodoxy, which if you're not familiar with it, it's it's pretty confusing. It's not Catholicism, but it's closer to Catholicism than certainly Protestants are used to. Okay. What you about, don't really get that with the Nets. What, what about the Amplified Version? Amplified Version is uh, still Masoretic-based. It is. Okay. Mm -hmm. I actually like that, but I, I love looking up. Um, the, actually, my Bible here. It's the, like I said, it's the new American standard, but Randall got this for me like what, 20 years ago. I think it was, yeah, 20 years ago. Yeah, that's what, and, I've, that's what I've lived with most of my life. Yeah, and I have the, but American I have the Strong's standard. Greek, the Hebrew Greek, and it goes back and it does no, everything. That's good. So that's what yeah. I love about it because yeah. that's yeah. why I won't Strong's use any of awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's why I won't use any other version. Okay, so you lay out, and this is something mm -hmm. we want to kind of get creeple over a little bit towards book two a little bit right, because sure, that's fine. here's the thing everybody there's two alternate points of view that doug writes about as far as how we should look at history and the bible and and all of that and you know it's interesting because among a lot of people who like to debate this stuff and you know and some of it's fine to debate but people get really ticked off i mean there are some people just like they'll you know, you're a heretic. I mean, I've been deemed a heretic. <laughs> you're not doing any good, you know, for I'm the not. Christian church unless you are deemed a heretic or an apostate. You um, know, so you Mel have to be pushing it. Yeah. Melanie is asking, what do you think of the chronological Bible? I'm going to try to answer that and you can tell me if I'm right. I think okay. the chronological Bible, if I'm understanding Doug correctly, still the Old mm -hmm. Testament in it, the books in the Old Testament are the Masoretic text. That's right? correct. Yeah. yeah. And so, so that's really, we're probably getting ready to get into that. So okay, yeah, so, it, it's got problems. Okay. So talk about then the alternate points of view, the two that you wrote about right. so that right. people can understand. People look at worldview because this is really a worldview show yeah. generally yeah. with two different points of view. So go for it. Okay. All right. So this book is part one. There will be a second part, uh, provided that there's enough people that really like what I'm doing here, and I think there will be. Um, part two, I've already outlined. It's in the, the outlines in the back of this book. And uh, in part two, I will go into 
those basically the Old Testament stories really, you know, the first, well, it's primarily the, the 50 chapters of Genesis, but really going back further into the first 11 chapters of Genesis, where you're really dealing with uh, Peleg, going back to Nimrod, then the Tower of Babel, the flood of Noah, back into the creation and, and uh, Adam and Eve and so forth. And once you have the chronology of the Septuagint, you're in a better position to understand the interplay between the events of the first 11 chapters of Genesis and archaeology, Egyptology, because the rabbis crushed about 1,500 years out of the chronology of the Masoretic text, what became the Masoretic text. What you have then is you have the flood occurring essentially in 2350 BC, whereas the Septuagint says it happened a thousand years before that, in thir around 3350 BC. And instead of the Tower of Babel happening around 2100 BC, it happened more like 31 to 3150 BC. Now, why is that important? Well, the Egyptian pyramids, at least academic academics say, were built around 2500 to 2600. This is, you know, the pyramid of of Khafre and Mankuri and so forth. And, and now, whether or not they really were built in is another question, which we'll get into some more in the part two. Part two will again deal with more of the the relationship between the archaeology of Mesopotamia and Egypt and the archaeology that's or rather the chronology of the of the accurate chronology of the Old Testament, which is the Septuagint. Now, why do I say it's accurate? Well, it turns out that there's lots of reasons, and I go into those reasons, but the main reason is that I would say is that the church fathers all argued that the Septuagint chronology is the correct chronology. Josephus, who wrote uh, towards the end of the first century, he basically used the same chronology as the as the old Hebrew and then the old Septuagint, although he translates directly from the Hebrew into Greek. He wrote in Greek, and he translates directly from the Hebrew, but he used that. The Samaritan Pentateuch that was written about 350 years, excuse me, was written about yeah, that's right. It, there was an original version in that time frame, but then there was, of course, follow-up. There's the Syriac version, the Peshitta. These all tend to use the Septuagint's uh, history. You don't really see the chronology of, this, of the King James and the what became sort of the standard James Bishop James Usher, the 4004 BC beginning. You don't really see that chronology even appearing until after the first century AD. So there, I go through all the, the history. I point out the, the church fathers, like Justin Martyr, like Augustine, like Irenaeus, Tertullian, and so forth, Ephraim, the, the Syrian. Looking at all of those, they, they say that the, the beginning, Adam and Eve, were created around 5400, 5500 BC. I say 5600 BC, and I walk you through all the reasons why I actually come up with that kind of chronology. And then even after the Reformation, there's 12 scholars that I list that still side with the Septuagint's chronology. Hmm. So the, the emphasis on James Usher, 
you know, young earth creationism is, is really tightly connected with the King James chronology. And, you know, there's really some real problems. And so the, the main point is once you go with the chronology of the Septuagint, then you can reconcile or synchronize the chronology of the Bible with the chronology of archaeology and Egyptology. Like much today. more so. Yeah. Okay. And so from an empirical evidential standpoint, that's an important thing. Okay. Because like one of the things, I wanted to read you the alternate views. And then I do yeah. see your question there too. We'll get to that in just a sec. So sure. there's there's the two views. One al alternative view one is the spirit of God preserves the word of God presented through the Bible by inspiring only one specific version, which believers must declare as God's word. So a lot of people believe that's the King James version. That's the King okay. James version. Mm -hmm. Or alternative two, which I tend to hold to is mm -hmm. the Spirit of God providentially preserves the Word of God presented through the Bible from the work of scholars who study the text, applying reason and science to detect the authentic original words and meaning as intended by the author. If God preserves his Word in this manner, human agents, i.e. scholars, must demonstrate evidentially which text or meaning is most authentic to what was first written millennials ago. And then you actually talk about how, you know, if we took the first part, the first alternative view, then like the Dead Sea Scrolls, wouldn't really mean anything. And also all the archaeology of today that we see, who right. cares? You know, who cares about it's it, all right? Thrown, all thrown out. Right. Yep. So, yep. so what you're arguing is basically that, look, you know, God did preserve his word. It was corrupted around in the 1600s, right, with King James and all that. And then... Well, it, it, King, James that, did, King James translated what had already been corrupted. Okay, that's what I All meant. Right. Yeah. All right. So, uh, and so we have a Bible, though, that has some holes in it as far as messianic prophecy, um, mm -hmm. which even though despite all that, God still, you know, is saving the Jews despite that, right? Oh, yeah. It's, he saves millions to the King James Bible. Right. So the message is still there. Okay. And so, but you also believe that, other books like Enoch and some of the other books that talk about, you know, the Nephilim and all this other stuff, which is why that 1500 period in the Old Testament is important, right? Because we've missed a lot of that, that history. And of course, the origin of the pyramids, which seems mm -hmm. completely insane to me, like, like a man did right. that. I, I have a, I have a hard time believing that. And yet there they right. are, like, yep. and they've never been destroyed. How's that happen? You know? Yeah, with all that's encoded in them, of course, you know, so it's it looks like that that the angels, the watchers had had a little something to do with it, just maybe. So there's an idea then in archaeology, if according to your book, if I read it right, that mm -hmm. there's actually been recent like underground, like very high. Um, that's not high right advanced. Word. Yeah, high advanced cities. Things. Yeah, that yeah. have been like in the whole lost city of Atlantis. We hear all about that. That. Right. A lot of people don't understand that when the flood took place, how, why it took place. We just hear, oh, you know, God just was mad at mankind because they were exceedingly wicked all over the place. And so he decided right. to wipe out humanity. Yep. But but that's not really the case. At least I don't believe that. I think you don't believe it. I mean, we kind of hang Correct. in the same fringy we, circles. We but yep. if people who are new to the show have never heard that, go ahead and explain what that is. Because just, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm not sure. Well, the... the, the... In Genesis six verses one through four, it talks about the sons of God coming into the to the daughters of of men or into women, and they had offspring known as the Nephilim, and they were the giants, the men of renown. And it's really 
that was really, we believe, what sprung all of the myths about the Titans, the Olympians, and so forth. And it, and it does tend to fit if you look at it from that standpoint. Some good work has been done, for instance, by uh, Derek Gilbert, who's written a couple of books on this. Um, one of them, I think, is called something like The Last Last War of the Titans or whatever. Um, but that tends to be the discussion around the Nephilim and who the Nephilim were and so forth. And so um, we believe that they created a genetically corrupted uh, species, if you will, that were the Nephilim or the Rephaim, and also mentioned, which actually the, the root of that is the, the dead, because <laughs> they were spiritually dead, had never had an opportunity to become saved. And, um, and so we believe that the flood was God's wiping out the, the genetically tainted humans and animals as well, because it says in, uh, it says in a number of the apocryphal or the pseudo pseudepigrapha books like Enoch, um, that, that they also were messing with animals and their DNA. And so God, that's one of the reasons why the animals were on the ark, not just human beings. Um, and, and so there's, there's, that's the belief that those of us in, in our sort of neo prophetic, uh, you know, community, which is really a big community now. Yeah. Um, well, we believe in these things. I have to tell you, when Jan Markell from Olive Tree Views decides to go to a conference from, mm -hmm. you know, Prophecy Watchers with Gary Stearman and Bob Ulrich, when right. Jan Markell, Miss Conservative Messianic Jew, mm -hmm. you know, joins, and David Reagan, when they go and they associate openly, you know, with, yep. I shouldn't say it that way, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, they're buying in. Yeah, actually, Jan told me she does. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, what happened to you? Because I didn't think you did. Right. I don't, I don't think. Right. You, I, but what's interesting is, um, I remember it had to be close to 15 years ago when I met Sharon and Derek Gilbert. You mm -hmm. know, when they were doing, they're still doing PID radio, and Derek, you know, he does my role in voiceover. But um, when I met them, you know, through my original show, Blog for Books, you know, and when it was called Mind and Media when I first started this 15 years ago. I thought those two were out of their mind. They sent me their books. I'm reading them. I'm like, you are weird. You're you're a weirdo. I don't even know who you are, but you you know. But but what happened was they kept sending me their books. I kept listening to them, and then it was, it had to be, gosh, I don't know, five or Mark. probably ten years ago. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. That that the TV show V came out about the whole alien thing randall was getting in all this science fiction stuff i was like what is this garbage i don't like science fiction this is stupid and i anyway i started re watching this show and listening to those guys and then i was listening to some other people derek and sharon interviewed me on their show which then gave me access to their platform and then some people from them came started coming over to see me and then it was also around that time that i was introduced to la marzulli Mm -hmm. who is Mr. Hot, you know, right. Controversial He's Mr. giant. Yeah. yeah. So LA came on my show. I was one of the first people to enter. I think I was the inter first person to interview him. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I was like, okay, this is weird. And then I met Doug Hamp, 
who wrote the book Corrupting the Image, and he's a biblical scholar with Calvary Chapel, at least he was at the time, and Calvary Chapel's pretty biblical, you know. So I'm like, okay, all these weird scholars. And then Arnold Fruchtenbaum, who is the founder of Ariel, he actually holds to that view as well. And so mm -hmm. I'm like, huh. As did Chuck Missler. Yeah, and then, and then I started studying Chuck Missler, and I'm like, oh my gosh, so this is nuts. And it was like, all of a sudden, my eyes were opened, and I'm like, oh my gosh, yep. this, this is like... How did I not see this before? You know, and yeah. I've told, I have from some friends that mock me and they're like, you're nuts. I'm like, whatever. You just don't, you're just uninformed. You, you, mm -hmm. I am the most conservative person that you'll ever probably meet. Mm -hmm. And yet I actually hold this view because when you, you, it's almost like there's so much evidence out there. How can you deny this? It's just obvious. Right. To me, it's yeah, obvious. Yeah, we start seeing nine foot tall humans and you see references <laughs> When uh, Abraham Lincoln, you know, mentions the giants near Niagara, um, I mean, it just the evidence goes on and on and on. And, and yeah. of course, Steve Quayle, uh, Tom Horn, you know, all of these guys, they all they all subscribe to this. Tom Horn, Horn was early into this, yeah. as was Quayle. And so, I had yeah, you know, uh, we that's where we are. Yeah, I mean it's 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 um it's crazy. I know some of you out there are like, "What the heck?" But honestly, you guys, you know my tagline is "Be bold, stand up, go with God because He loves you." Part of the reason I'm so bold in my faith is because I've, I'm very confident in, in, with what I know. Um, yeah. Because I'm not. I was challenged when I was a very young believer. I mean, literally a baby believer. My older brother is a huge skeptic to my knowledge to this day. He's still not saved, and he challenged me. Well, you know that book is a book of fairy tales. I'm like, really? And so I, I instantly, God called me to, you know, to essentially to apologetics and to defending the faith. And I got really grounded in learning Christian apologetics, understanding what I believe about God, why I believe it. And, and being able to confidently defend it. And as a woman, honestly, that's rare. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. there are a few women out there. Sharon Gilbert's one. I can say uh, Janet Parshall, she she is. Uh, Dr. Nancy Piercy is. I've had her on the show. You guys should read her book, Total Truth. It's really good. Um, you know, and there are a handful of others, but there's not that many women that actually will be bold enough to say, oh, yeah, I believe this and stuff. And so you guys are just weird for tuning into the show, just so you know. <laughs> it's weird. No, it's... I mean, who would have thought this cute little package would like be a message promoter right. of this stuff? You're nuts, Stacy. Yeah, well, I am. <laughs> you know, probably the the most enlightening book. By the way, Doug Hamp's book is a great book. But yeah. the most enlightening book recently has been uh, uh, Michael Heiser, Doctor Michael Heiser's book, uh, Reversing Hermon. Right. And, I have to get him oh, on the show. Oh, boy, that is powerful. Was he on your show talking about that book? I, I ha I've had him on my show once, and I just need to get it. I just need to set it up and get him on because he said he'd come back on. Oh, yeah. He's he's just awesome. And he's he's who a lot of us uh, look to as the as the true scholar that really knows the ancient languages. And, uh, yeah. and he's very much an advocate of this and is and goes back and shows surprisingly how many other theologians in seminaries that we don't hear from subscribe to this as well so yeah. this is not a fringe topic really yeah anymore. i notice like everybody just so you know how much doug loves me right here right there he <laughs> he messaged he mentions me in bareface right there in his book can you believe it he doesn't call randall bareface though i didn't know that randall was a bareface yeah. i know i've kind of looked more bareface these days but... yeah uh, but you also dr heiser is i think the first person you mentioned 
yeah he yeah. was there helpful he gave me some a number of suggestions and yeah and uh, so yeah i see him as a as a mentor are you surprised i discovered that he did not tell me this people i just happened to discover it today when i was going through the book yeah, well, you know, our eyes are kind of tuned into things that have our, where our name is. And so, uh, no, I, you know, I'm sincere. I, I acknowledge the, the number of people that have been very supportive of my ministry and, and uh, have said good things. You know, right now on Facebook, everyone's saying that I have a devil. Uh, the King James only folks, that's oh. really the first thing that they say is, is well, then you have the, a demon because you don't believe what we believe. And that's called, in logic, we call that an ad hominem argument. It's like if you can't argue the facts, you just attack the person you're arguing arguing with. Yeah. Um, Randall, do you want to get on screen? Um, I don't know. Uh, well, I wasn't <laughs> sure because you just put yourself on screen. Well, that, that's, that's, remember, that's preview. So. Well, I know. I'm, that's... I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm just... are, you, are you trying to tell me our time's almost up? Because I know it's almost up. Remember, I'm a therapist by training. I yeah, know this stuff. No. <laughs> I watch clocks all the time. I'm watching it. <laughs> no, I was just trying to set up. <clears throat> I was just trying to set up another shot in case I was called in. So, uh, well, what do you think, Bareface? <laughs> well, I don't. You no. Wait till I get the other shot set up. Before... Okay, we'll wait until you set up shot. In the meantime, as Bareface sets up a different shot, um, I want to remind everybody too, uh, you know, that you can donate to our show, BibleNewsRadio.com. You can go there. Um, you can also become a pillar of our community. My friend Jennifer calls it a pillager, but that, don't do that. Become a pillar. Not a, not a pillow. A not pil a pillow, but a pillar. A pillar, yeah. You yes. know, and monthly donate to our show. You know, give us some money if you like what we do. I mean, seriously, <laughs> most of you do. Well, a number of you do. Not all of you. Some of you do. But we would love it if more of you did. <laughs> Please, thank you. Um, oh, and then also Legal Shield, you guys. Look, I got to tell you something. Um, uh, what was it? Oh, this morning. This morning I was at a networking meeting, um, and I was talking about Legal Shield to somebody. And one of my members that I signed up a couple of weeks ago shared with me how she called her law firm in order to uh, look at, um, a, I think it was a medical bill she was having some issues with. And she called it. it she's, she actually said that she said it bothered me for three months, and finally... And she was losing sleep over it. So she finally called up her attorney law firm, talked to them about the bill, gave it to them, let them look at it and all this stuff. And at the end of the call, she said she just felt a peace of mind. You know what? And that's really what the service is. It's a great service. You can get your will done. Um, you can get your identity theft protection as well. Um, in fact, today over on my Stacy Lynn Harp MS Facebook page, if you're not on that one, you can go there. It's Stacy Lynn Harp MS. That's facebook.com forward slash Jason Lynn Harp MS. Go there. Um, I did another video, a short 10 minute video about the identity theft issue and what there are six areas of identity theft. Most people think there's only one and that's credit cards, but there's six and we cover that. So you can go check that out as well. And if you just want to learn more, go to bit.ly forward slash LOJ that stands for ladies of justice 2019. Um, Make sure it's all caps, those of you on the podcast, or just message me directly and I'll help you out. All right. And, and Doug, you're a member. You want to talk about Legal Shield? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I absolutely recommend it. I'm, you know, I, I actually have done a lot of security work, information technology work. I mean, after all, I use the word rebooting in the title, right? Mm -hmm. Rebooting the Bible. So, um, yeah, you walked me through uh, the benefits of it. I, I am just like the president of the hair club. I am, you know, also, and actually, I'm not the hair, hair club, <laughs> I, but I am a member of 
the legal of the member, you know, the legal shield. And so I really, I believe it's a good thing. I, I think it's uh, it's money well spent. So I encourage people to do it. And yeah, there's enough benefits if you take advantage of them uh, that, you know, what you pay out in premiums, you're going to get back and in freebies and discounts. Yeah. Well, not only that, but the hours too, since this is another thing I heard today, those of you who've been members, you're actually accumulating civil trial hours that yeah. are paid for. And so here's the, here's the idea. Like, um, I, I, I forgot how many you get a year. I think it's 60 a year or something like that, which mm-hmm. means, and I have a friend, uh, who actually ended up having to go to a trial cause they were in a car accident and some stuff happened And long story short, when her attorney talked to the other guy's attorney before they actually went to court, one of the first things they said was, Hey, I actually, my client has 450 hours of paid attorneys already in advance and that comes with your membership people who cancel that they're like oh, they just threw that money out the door you never know and that's why i always say you guys look don't get legal shield because you're a bad criminal get it because of the bad criminals and the people who are trying to take advantage of you that's the problem yeah. anyway well even just sometimes even just having that prepaid legal available to you is enough to intimidate person that might bring suit against you because guess what they're going to have to face the fact that you've already got an attorney and that attorney's already paid for so they're not going to be able to run you out of money you know using a a lawyer so it's it's a pretty big benefit you know just ask paul manafort right so Mm -hmm. and jerome corsi yeah oh yeah (laughs) never you never know nope okay (laughs) bareface you have did you want to get on um no i can if you'd like me to well, I wasn't sure you were setting up another shot. Well, just in case you were going to call me in. Okay. Did, did, okay. So, so you've heard the conversation. I don't, um, I don't mind. Do you want to go over a few minutes? Because I know we're already over like yeah, three minutes. Yeah, I guess. Oh, you're asking but, me? Yeah, this is an interesting conversation. And you're really the Bible scholar in this family, not <laughs> me. Well, yeah, well, I'll put... Uh, put Doug on. You guys Doug can on. talk. Yeah, we can talk. I'm, I'm sure. sitting in the dark here. My camera, this, this is a USB camera that does there, there, It kind of lightens up a little bit when you stick your hand up there. Yeah, I try to block the sunlight. Right. I got the sunlight yeah. coming here. And it well, well we know. We know. Just it's kind of like I could do this. And we, we know what I look like, you know. But yeah. no, go ahead. Anyway. Uh, so. Yeah, really interesting stuff. And it is interesting looking at the quotations in the New Testament of the Old Testament. Right. I know that right. the, the writer of Hebrews, whoever that is. Uh, yep. Uh, quotes exclusively verbatim like word for word from the Septuagint Uh, a lot of Paul's epistles are like it's kind of like his it's almost like Mm -hmm. almost the Septuagint I kind of wonder if he maybe knew it from childhood in Hebrew Uh, he he probably paraphrases a little bit you know and and that's that may be part of the reason why there's a little bit of differences at times but but of course he knew Hebrew I mean he was trained in both right so Right, but the uh, writer to the Hebrews, like verbatim, word for word, out of the, out of the Septuagint, um, which is which is interesting that uh, a writer, uh, apparently a Messianic Jew, writing to Jewish people, would write right. from the. Of course, it was you know to make the point that Yeshua is the Messiah. But yeah, well, he, he felt it—it's it, really true. You know, by the way, when Paul's epistles circulated, they were bundled with Hebrews, and that's one of the reasons why people believe Paul wrote Hebrews. Completely different style, but St- it was yeah. a different. It was a different 
different audience and for a different yeah. reason that he wrote this treatise and mm. and uh you know so it's it's likely that it was paul that wrote it okay. and and absolutely but you got to keep in mind that even in israel yeah. people didn't speak greek the elite uh in society spoke greek right. the elite in the church or in not the church but in the synagogue and in and in the temple they spoke hebrew but most of the you know the common people were speaking aramaic Right. And uh, and so and, and then outside of Israel, you had almost no one that spoke Hebrew. So so it makes sense that that the writer of the Hebrews was writing a text to be circulated outside of Israel right. using the Septuagint, because that was the that was the Bible of the yeah. Jew outside right. of outside of Israel. Right. But um, it seems like it was the audience was also um, those. This my Mike turned up, Stace? No, you're good. Yeah. I'm hearing you okay. fine. I hear right. you fine. Anyway. I can turn it up higher for you. Your no, ears might not, be blocked because you're no, stuffed up. That could be. But, yeah, I think it's interesting, you know, instead of if, if the writer of Hebrews was trying to uh, invent some new religion or whatever, mm. why would why would he or she or whoever it was right. go right. back to, at that time, an almost 300-year-old, you know, translation of the scriptures exactly yeah yeah, yeah. no that's 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 true it's it's interesting looking at some of the king james only arguments against the septuagint is one of the common arguments is that the septuagint didn't even exist until a hundred years after christ and really, you know and i'll have people say that oh yeah no it's and i'll say hmm. they'll say you know you can't prove it and i go well i can't prove that plato wrote the republic right but homer wrote the iliad and the odyssey but you know history uh and those people that are in effect the scholars of history hmm. they have no problem saying that the septuagint existed yeah and the, the and, historians and, that's right at that's the right. time you know in the first century um, yeah Saying no, that, that's right. And it was, why, well, why, why were the Jews calling this the Christian Bible, and why did that irritate them? And why right. did Rabbi Akiva then, you know, under the auspices of the Jamnian school, there were three new Greek versions written, and uh, Akiva and the colony at Jamnia tried to eliminate all other Hebrew mm -hmm. copies and eliminate. I mean, they they wanted the Greek version that the Jews around the world read to be based upon the Rabbi Akiba version of the Hebrew. Right. And the one thing that they hadn't counted on was the fact that there was this group called the Essenes that were storing both older mm. Hebrew texts right. and the Septuagint texts right. in the caves at Qumran. Mm. And so they had thought they had thought they had destroyed. And even mm. the Jewish scholars today say, yep, that was what they were trying to do. Mm. Interesting. Now, I will come in defense of the uh, King James in one respect, like and you mentioned before, the New Testament mm -hmm. uh, from the from the uh, Textus Receptus. And and I'm I'm a fan when it comes to the Greek text of the New Testament being mm -hmm. based on the majority text instead of two texts discovered, <laughs> you know, discovered in the um, uh, in the, uh, you know, like the late 19th century. Uh, oh, you're talking about the Codices of Sinaiticus and, and Alexandrinus. Yeah, yeah. We'll have or, to have a show. I'm working on writing on these things. And because. you guys anyway, can do the. You can do and, it because it'll be over anyway, my head. <laughs> yeah, but, but, yeah, the majority just, text. Uh, you know, the Byzantine text also. Just when it comes, uh, just when it comes to that whole textual criticism, you know, is mm -hmm. it is it more likely that um, 
you know, verses were inserted into thousands of copies or omitted from two, you know, and I'm, I like, you know, it just seems the reason omitted from two makes more sense than happened to get inserted into thousands in a sparse, you know, geographic distribution. Anyway, so, um, yeah, well, we'll go through that because I, I have uh, to study all that because um, I have to push back on those arguments because I, I definitely disagree with, with the research you've done um, mm -hmm. and can explain why the majority text is called the majority text and why the, you know, Textus Receptus. Will there be fisticuffs between Bareface and Doug? Stage, uh, no, Doom, I, I think Doug's? it's just a question of, you know, how much you <laughs> study and the sources you. you study and all that. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. And, so, and, and one of the things. I, 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 it'll be good. I mean, as long as I, I won't call you a devil. And if you don't call me a devil, we can probably, yeah. you know, I, we can probably get along and, and do some uh, good stuff that other people will enjoy. Yeah. Have, my sort of study slash reading Bible is the kj3 by um mm -hmm. translated by uh jp green the late jp green but one yeah. thing i like about the old king james is just the language in preserving mm -hmm. the single and plural second person the yeah, well, thou, you, yeah you. the these and the thous but you also all of the you know like our our hymns mm -hmm. the handles messiah mm -hmm. you know all of these things have the king james language built into them and so you know that's pretty good that's great i mean that's a great yeah it makes a difference in some things whether it's spoken to yeah. an individual or a group yeah it's like peace and goodwill toward men that's a king james phrase the new american <laughs> standard version says something like and god feels good or has peace towards everyone who he's pleased with i mean you know it's like yeah, it says the same thing, but it. But we like the old language best because that's the language we're familiar with, yeah. and 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 it and it is more eloquent. You know, so. uh, it's not eloquent. It's just that that preservation of the difference between singular and plural second person that I'm a fan yeah, of. Yeah, and that's well, there's there's that too. If I we could just bring it back into modern English, yeah. you know, if, uh, there's there's value in if, having both. You know, there really is. If thou and I could both, uh, you know. Bring back and, and by the way, just the to clarify, version. I'm not saying the Septuagint is inerrant. It's not. The, a lot of the idioms of the Hebrew were not translated properly into Greek, but the They're factual languages. aspects, yeah. you know, are more yeah. accurate. And yeah. that's kind of the that's kind of the point. All right, I'm going to slide off. All right, here. yeah, we're starting to lose our audience here. So okay, we're <laughs> people are leaving. They're like, "Bye, I'm out of here. I'm done with okay. you we're people." We're over time anyway. Um, yeah. Okay, so before we go, then. A uh, couple of things, Doug, please tell people where they can get your book. Yeah, you can get my books uh, at Amazon, um, the Rebooting the Bible. Uh, you can find it both in printed and in Kindle formats at Amazon. Uh, you can do a search on S as in Stephen Douglas Woodward um, on Amazon. You can evenly just type that in even in Google and it'll take you to Amazon. You can also find my website, um, Doomsday Doug, because a lot of what I do is write about prophecy. Uh, DoomsdayDoug.com will take you to my website, which is officially faith-happens.com. And, um, and I'm going to be having a new website that'll be up in a couple of weeks. And then you can begin to order books directly from me, which I can sign for you if you want. And uh, so that'll be another option, but it's not available yet. Okay, cool. And I actually have an Amazon bookstore. I will be putting your books in my bookstore cool. with uh, under my guest books, you know, that people can go. And yeah, they can get you can get a little royalty for selling that book too. That's good. Five cents. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, yeah. you know, hopefully we'll sell a million copies and you'll, <laughs> you'll be happy about that. Yeah, that would be good. But, yeah, you know, I'm looking forward to the second half of the book. I think it's I think it's going to be good. And I definitely want to talk to you after we're done here, too, because I got a couple sure, questions for sure. you. Well, we could do, if you want, if there's interest, we can do a show really on the second part of this book, which gets into the Egyptology and that really digs into the chronology and why do we know when Abraham was born and when the Exodus occurred and when Adam and Eve were and all that, to the extent that you think your audience is interested, we could do that too. Okay. Yeah. I I'm interested. Cool. <laughs> I'm well, that's interested important. I'm happy just to talk to you. So, yeah. Okay. So when people get your book though, I just want to clarify, what are they going to get inside your book? Are you going to list all the places where the King's James changed it or is it more yeah. the history? There's a cha- chapter four deals with about 27 yeah, 27 different uh, uh, areas of interest that where you show where I show the differences and kind of make comments on why that's important. Um, I'm also going to I've been working on getting a, 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 a file of all of the quotes They're like 237 and and uh, uh, showing where those are quoted, the Septuagint and then where those are quoted in the New Testament, which is you know, three or 400 different places. And so I'll have that on my website as well. So people can see that. So that's in the book, um, you know, a very, a, a, a chapter that really digs into the chronology, kind of where, why the chronology kind of got off track. And then the last uh, two sections really deal with the issue of when the Exodus occurred, which is, is vital. If you're going to understand the chronology of the Bible, you have to understand when the Exodus took place. It's really the, it's the pivot point between kind of the ancient part of the Bible, the primeval Bible, and then the modern Bible. You might say that, well, the modern Bible, as in after Genesis, what happens? Well, there's Exodus and then everything else follows that. So that's kind of the pivot point. Yeah. See, that's so cool. You know, one of the things I love about you is that you're a humble guy, you know, I mean, mm. you've written well, a lot thanks. of books and you yeah. don't come off as some cocky, arrogant jerk face that knows everything about everything. And, and there are people <laughs> that I don't, I promise you, I, I don't. I, I know, but there are people who get really bent out of shape if mm. you challenge something that's conventional wisdom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Well, but, you're dealing with, you know, it's like my I used to have a preacher that said when you get up in the pulpit and you start preaching, you don't want to talk about politics and you don't want to talk about religion <laughs> because people get upset. Right. That's all I talk about. <laughs> I know. It's uh, hilarious. Buttons for punishment. <laughs> well, you know, people, unless you watch me for any length of time, you you know, if you if you don't watch me for any length of time, then you you know, if you happen to see me on one of my rants or whatever, then you're like, Rah. but if you actually watch me, then, you know, I'm so laid back. It's not even funny. Just so you know. Yep. yep. But anyway. Okay. Well, everybody, we got to go cause we're over time, but thank you for staying. And, uh, tomorrow I believe is free for all Friday. Yeah, it is. So we'll be back Friday, I think, cause it's tomorrow. Right. <laughs> and as I always say at the end of every show, people, Be bold, stand up, and go with God because he loves you. And he really does. So do it. Just go out there. Be bold, people. We'll see you tomorrow.